going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I am telling everyone about the 40-hour workweek with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. And welcome to episode 111. This month, we're talking about learning together, professional development for teachers, and how we can be active learners too. I'm really looking forward to this episode because we're going to talk about something that got a lot of hype a couple of years back, Pineapple PD. The intention of Pineapple PD was that teachers wouldn't do the close your door and teach model and instead would open their doors to each other so that teachers can learn from each other. The way it works is that school leadership will put up a large calendar on the wall in a place that's accessible to teachers. Then teachers can mark on the calendar any times that they would be open to having guests in their room. For example, if I'm teaching 2D shapes in third grade next week and I'm comfortable with having guests, I can mark on the calendar what I'm doing at what time. Then any teacher who's available at this time can pop in and catch a little bit of the lesson. It's a beautiful idea, but school leaders who try to implement it this way are often met with many challenges. Coverage for classrooms, stress about having guests in your room, and enough mental capacity for teachers to make the effort to open their doors and to mark it on the calendar when they're already so busy. My guest today has found some ways to make classroom visits work for them, so I can't wait to share this with you. So let's welcome my guest to the podcast. Welcome, Heather. Hi, how are you, Chrissy? I'm good. I'm just like, I, you know, a little short of, out of breath. I was uh, raising home to to record this after dropping my kids off at my mom's. So <laughs> I was uh, kind of hustling down the street there. We took a walk over there. And so, you know, getting the kids unloaded from the stroller and all other stuff. And then, yes, no, I'm going to be back soon. Okay. Have dinner with grandma. Okay. Listen, let's follow directions. Don't forget every, you know, it's all that stuff. So I know all, all the hats we wear, right? Yeah. Right. At the same time. Yeah. At the same time. So I would love if we could get started with you introducing yourself to the listeners, a little bit about who you are, you know, how you ended up doing this work and what you're really focusing on right now. Sure. Um, and I, you know, I've been in education, I think about 15 years now, um, started out as an elementary teacher, um, just kind of found my passion there. I love that intermediate elementary age is what I found. Um, so I have taught, I have been an instructional coach. I have been a writing coach. Um, and then about five years ago, I left the classroom to work in the ed tech and online world a little bit. 
and kind of moved into the professional development, um, creating professional development with schools, really partnering with schools and working in deep transformation. So coaching their coaches um, and doing some of that work, which I absolutely loved. And then COVID hit. Um, and so all of that work kind of came to a standstill in a lot of ways. So I then kind of transitioned and did some talent development with online schools. So I worked for Stride K-12 in their talent development department. Um, and honestly, I just, I love the work and PD and training teachers. And that's really where my passion has kind of landed for me. It's what brings me joy in the work that I do. Um, but what I found was I really missed that one-on-one -on -one connection. I really missed face-to-face. -face. So, you know, I, I debated a whole lot. Do I really want to go back to in-person brick and mortar in the state of what just COVID and public education right now? Um, and I did, and I jumped back into the brick and mortar world. And I'm really thankful I did. It has been, it really fulfills my soul and my heart as a teacher to be face-to-face. -face. I like to see the kids. I like to see the impact um, of what I'm doing and how that trickles to kids. So currently I am an instructional coach at a middle school, which is new for me and a little challenging. I have coached and given professional development to secondary teachers, um, but not ever been embedded in a secondary school. So it's given me a lot of opportunity to grow this year. So I'm at a Title I um, small um, secondary school in Idaho. Awesome. Um, yeah, I, I also love providing, providing professional development and there's, it's just, it's so much fun. I think <laughs> it is, so it, it is fun. so much fun. I have found yeah. so much. I've really benefited the last couple of years when I stepped out of the classroom just to get some training for myself and what does good professional development look like? How do we do it? How do we design it and orchestrate it? And that has, um, served me really well as an instructional coach now. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, providing PD is such a big part of coaching at many schools, not all schools, but many. And that it, without an understanding of adult learning, it can be a real challenge to do that effectively. So that's great. So much so, yes. So you, whenever I was looking for somebody to talk about Pineapple PD on this episode, you described that you used a few different variations of Pineapple PD um, on your campuses. So can you walk us through these models that you've used before? Sure. Um... I say I'm a lot, so <laughs> bear with me. Um, you know, when we use the term pineapple PD, mm -hmm. it, it has been around for many years, this mm -hmm. concept. And it really is just an idea in this umbrella. The whole idea is that we are welcoming others into our classroom to watch us teach, that we kind of have this open door policy. So I always think of it in terms of, there's not really to me one set way to do this. It really is that theory and that culture of having an open environment. So I like to say there are as many schools as there are is how many different variations you might have mm -hmm. to do something like this. There are some core things that keep it and hold it true to um, at least what I think is best practice. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, there are many variations. So a lot of the ones I've seen is you have your traditional year round pineapple charts. Mm -hmm. So we will post them either, you know, visually in the staff room, visually in a coach's office or admin. Sometimes now I see a lot of them are digital. Okay. So a digital spreadsheet, right? So you basically post Monday through Friday, you block it around your school schedule. And then you, you allow space for teachers to sign up and say, hey, I'm teaching this lesson on Tuesday during my second period. 
um, my door is open for you to come watch that. Mm -hmm. So the idea originally, I believe, right, is that you that chart would stay up all year and we would just open that up to teachers and they could just as they wanted to add their names. And then during our planning period or during a time when we could get coverage, we would go in and watch what we want to see. Mm -hmm. um, I have seen variations to the we're going to do a pineapple day. We're going to do a pineapple week. That is what I'm currently doing right now is we're in a pineapple week, which has been a lot of fun. Um, th there are variations where, you know, we do instructional rounds, which is mm -hmm. still under that umbrella of peer observations. So we're still observing each other. Um, goes a little deeper into conversation and debrief um, in the lane. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. um, I've also seen um, one of our high schools just recently did what they called ghost walks, mm -hmm, which was very that. intriguing. So they were empty classrooms and the teachers only went to visit empty classrooms and there was no conversation. Mm -hmm. They just went in with a clipboard and were looking at environment, looking at resources, looking at arrangement of the room. Um, I thought that was a very unique concept, mm -hmm. this we ghost walks. That. Yeah, that's actually the way that we got started on our with our faculty and having them visit each other because they had not done that with the previous administration and you know they were not comfortable with that idea and it stressed them out like they, they would work together but not during instructional time they did not observe each other and mm -hmm. so we were like okay how do we get these people to be comfortable visiting each other's rooms and we thought that probably the easiest way to ease them into it was with ghost ghost walkthroughs and so they would actually visit classrooms after hours we did it after school oh and, yeah uh, that was the easiest way to do it i mean we had a a block of time once a week set aside that teachers would do professional development so we did it during that time and um that was a a good way to do it because we could each take like different leadership people could take one grade level team and kind of facilitate the dialogue and mm -hmm. everybody can have their note taker it could be a little more structured especially to get started and we, we really did find that very effective yeah it really is a great way to dip your toes mm -hmm. right you have to uh, you know something i feel really strongly about no matter which way you do it right or what what our whole goal is that we are helping teachers grow and learn from one another. Mm -hmm. And so I, to me, the biggest part is you have to build that culture. Mm -hmm. It's building the culture of that open door and you know that watch me teach and it's okay. We are so tied as teachers to when people observe us. It is evaluative. Yeah. And we have had so many years of that, that it is deeply ingrained in most of us. I find that anytime someone is watching us, we feel very evaluated. Mm -hmm. So you have to build that culture of safety. Um, so I love the idea of the ghost walks or the toe dips, right? Right. When you begin to just see it's okay when we're in each other's rooms. Yes, nothing bad will happen. <laughs> yeah, nothing bad to nobody's, okay. yes. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you're structuring that pineapple week? Absolutely. So we are doing Monday through Friday pineapple week. Same idea. Put up a chart and it's a digital Excel spreadsheet. Um, our a little difference is we do have the culture um, where our teachers are really open to this. They've been doing pineapple walks and observations for several years now. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they every teacher is expected to sign up to deliver one lesson. Mm -hmm. And every teacher is expected during the week to observe one lesson. Mm -hmm. So we have just built that culture. We're not there yet, right? To have that open chart that is going to work for us yet. Um, 
when it's too wide open, if you don't, if you aren't there yet, people just won't sign up and then you just have a blank chart, yeah. um, which can be frustrating. So it's actually worked really well. I've, I find that teachers sign up automatically. Um, we gave them a two day spread last week, a two day window to sign up and put their names in the chart. Everybody hopped on board. Um, all we asked them to do is put their name, the class period, and just a little, what's your topic really? Like, what are you showcasing? So mm -hmm. the strategy you're showcasing, right? So that people know when they sign up, what they want to go see, Okay, what great. might be helpful. Mm -hmm. So yeah. out of the models that you've used, if you were to run the world, which would you choose? Oh, um, I think, honestly, I really do love, I have been at a school where we did something called learn and grow walks mm -hmm. and we structured them for the year. And those were more instructional rounds. Mm -hmm. So in, you know, we plan for in August before our classrooms are even open that week when you're setting up your classroom, that we would take all of our new teachers and we just do a learn and grow walk on environment and classroom setup. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then as we get into the first few weeks of school, we structure it so that they can go see classroom management so that they can see community building, um, those type of things. And then, and so just each month kind of had its own theme and its own purpose, depending on where we are in the school year, depending on our curriculum, all those different pieces, right? Depends on your model of instruction you're using. Um, and also where you see through observations as a coach and as leaders, where you see people need support. Mm -hmm. um, what I really like about those is we always started them with a quick five to 10 minute um, conversation. These are our look fors today. So we would give them a form. These are our look fors. So when you're in these classrooms, you know, these are the things we want you to pay attention to today. Mm -hmm. And then after we would walk several classrooms and the, like you said before, one of our admin team would go with each group. Mm -hmm. So we would kind of divide up so that there's not 20 of us right in one classroom at one right. time. And then that gave us a chance to all come back together at the end. We would save a good 20 minutes or so to really debrief. What did you see? What do you want to know more about? Did you see something that we can then, that would give me a whole lot to build on as a coach. Right. Through that conversation. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah. Um, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but how did you prepare teachers for being guests in others' classrooms? Because... I think that's a huge, that's a burden that a lot of people are struggling with, that teachers are very nervous about it, um, about, uh, you know, being a guest, about having guests, you know, how did you kind of create that culture? On both sides, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would say when we, we talk about it a lot in the lens of, you know, we don't want to interrupt in instruction, mm -hmm. right? We are there to observe, you're there to be observer, you know, quietly not interrupting the instruction. I think that's really important. Some teachers don't mind, some teachers do. Mm -hmm. um, so I always like to point that out to my teachers. Let's don't interrupt. You know, if you have questions, jot them down on your form mm -hmm. and touch base afterwards. Um, the other thing that we do is we do provide them with a form and we have focused it. I know that some people kind of play around with, are we only going to focus on the positive feedback or are we going to put right the grows on there too? I don't really like putting the grows on there. I think that sets our teachers up as observers and on the other side in a very difficult kind of situation if they don't have that culture or that partnership. Even if you have the culture, sometimes you don't have that relationship to, to give that feedback. Right. So we only lens it in the, what did you like? What did you learn? And what do you want to use? 
Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what did you find interesting? Did you learn something new? Did you see something in a different way? And then we do ask them to jot down now what's one thing you might use in your own classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with not putting like specifically growth on there because I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't like the idea of the teacher being in that role with another teacher. Um, what we have done is included questions. So if you have a question about, well, why did you choose that text? You know, maybe you were, we were wondering because it seemed like it was a little age inappropriate, so, or maybe it was, you know, not, um, you were not sure if it was aligned to the strategy or whatever. So you say, well, how did you go about choosing it? And that might, it benefits the teacher because they say, okay, how did I go about choosing that? Um, and yeah. But without the teacher being, without the, without the visitor actually saying, I didn't think this was a good idea. You know, and I do like the questions. Mm -hmm. I think too, it depends. So for my teachers this week, they are, they're turning in their observation forms to me. Um, it is really twofold, right? It is to kind of hold accountable. We all know, like sometimes if we don't have to turn something in, the accountability does fall. Mm -hmm. But I also, I like to take all the positives that I'm seeing, gives me great touch points to just give teachers positive feedback. I will take and gather every, all of the positive feedback that a teacher gets for the week. I'm going to create slides. So like a slideshow. So you'll get a slide with all of your positive feedback kind of compiled for you on it. Just to have, anytime somebody walks in our classroom, we want to know what they saw, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want to know, you know, what did you like about it? Um, some of us want to know how to grow from it, but some of us just, you know, what did you see? What'd you like? I worked really hard on, I do find my teachers work really hard to prep for this week to showcase what they're doing. They don't, not a dog and pony show, but you know, they have something they do really well and they want to showcase that well. So they work hard for that. So I feel like they deserve getting that, that feedback. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I like that idea of, of giving them the positive feedback. That's really nice. Um, and again, I guess it does depend on what your purpose is because yeah, if, if your purpose is instructional rounds is more about thinking about how we grow as a team by kind of analyzing, you know, what we see and, and discussing. Mm -hmm. And if you're doing a model that's more about, you know, what can you take back? It's more about the individual, then that would make sense to do it in that way rather than having the questioning probably wouldn't be as relevant because you're not having that discussion afterwards with the teacher, you know, at the same time in the group. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I think you, I think you hit something's really crucial. There is you have to know your purpose. Mm -hmm. it, it can't just be one new, Oh, I heard about these fun things to do this, this fun thing to do. Right. I want my teachers yeah. to all go observe each other. I think all of us know how important and how impactful peer observation can be. I think you just have to be really clear as a leadership team. Yes what's my per what are what is our purpose right what culture do we want to build with this and what's our purpose mm -hmm. in a lot of my job the last five years has been designing professional development on a national level on you know in the online world and the one thing it all has in common is it's never enough oh yeah <laughs> it, it's never enough and i can yeah. never differentiate to the level that I need. When teachers sit in our classrooms, it is not like you are onboarding, right? Unless you're onboarding all new teachers. But the majority of the time, right, we have this huge range from a first year teacher straight out of college mm -hmm. to, or maybe an alternate program, right, to my 20, 25, 30 year veteran teachers. Mm -hmm. So there is a vast amount of knowledge and interest um, sitting in my audience when I'm doing professional development. So I always end it feeling, gosh, I wish my newbies 
could have gotten, gotten more of this, right? Uh -huh. Or I wish that my veteran, you know, I wish my veterans could have shared this. Mm -hmm. So anytime we can differentiate PD, which sounds great in theory, but it's really hard to do with the amount of time that we're given to train people and that our teachers are given to attend professional development. Mm -hmm. And I just find that this organically, like in one week, they have seen more strategies and it has changed more practice in this one week than I could possibly provide as one person. I, I totally agree. Um, seeing real things happening in real classrooms right down the hallway. With real it, kids. Yes, it eliminates a lot of the, well, but, well, but, you know, well, but that won't work. Well, but I don't have this. Well, but whatever, you know, just little, all the, all the, the obstacles that teachers foresee, they see somebody do it and they think, oh, that's how they're making it work. That's how they do it. Okay, I can try that. Yeah. And um, you bring up such a great point because one of my favorite things to do is to take a fourth or fifth grade teacher into a kindergarten classroom mm -hmm. because they are often blown away by the conversations, by the higher order questioning, by the independence that some of those kindergartners can have. Um, and at the secondary level, I'm finding that my arts and humanity, we spend so much time focused on ELA and math and we have to, it, we have to. But our arts and humanities teachers, our SPED teachers, our, you know, other content area teachers, science and social studies, they're doing fabulous things mm -hmm. and they're using fabulous strategies. So, for instance, I have a SPED teacher who is using some really great collaborative grouping strategies with her students right now. Um, and it has been really validating for her and great for other staff to see that, oh, it's not just ELA that's doing this. It's not just, you know, what are the great things that my, my music teacher is doing that I can take back to my ELA classroom. Mm -hmm. And they're not, you know, we don't have time to discuss those things most often. So I really like that piece of it that we get to see. And I try to push and guide a little bit to, hey, I'd love for you to go see how so-and-so is is getting students to collaborate or go see how orchestra is getting their kids to lead, you know, the warmups every day and have that student led piece of it. Mm -hmm. So I love the, the variety. Yeah. I think the, the point that you make about differentiating as well is so important because it does, you know, this is, I've seen it work really well over time. Like you've talked about where you, you can start out with something more structured and over time it can become available to where whenever we did things like, okay, everybody's gonna observe somebody over the next month is what we did. And then we would provide coverage and it was like, you know, a lot to, to manage at the time. But then later people would tell me, you know, I would really like to see this. Is there somebody that you know, who's really good at this? And so once you've established that, that they can go in another classroom, that they will see something great that they're gonna take back. That is, it's like this whole other way of developing teachers and getting them the support that they would like. And it, it also builds these cross grade level, you know, across team relationships that they didn't really have that before. They wouldn't necessarily have gone to that teacher or thought they could learn something from that person because they've never been in their room before. You know, you start teaching and you're thrown in a room and it's, it's like, good luck. And <laughs> May the force be with you, you right? Yeah. Here you go. Right. Here are these real live humans and go shape them. Yeah. That's a really valid point. So it was so funny because one of the, I have several new teachers and, you know, new teachers, bless their hearts, they either think they're supposed to know everything right out of the gate. And so they feel really um, 
defeated somewhat when they don't know everything. Like I'm supposed to be prepared, right? This is what I'm, this is what my degree's in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have all these various levels of people who feel comfortable, right, in our profession and in their expertise. Mm-hmm. But my new teachers all emailed me this week. Do I have to do, do I have to do a lesson too? And I was like, yes, you do. But I um, yes, you do, because you have awesome things to share with others. And hopefully you've been teaching since August, right? So right. You've been teaching great. And I always tell them, I'm sorry, this is the deep end. We don't wait into <laughs> right. education. We just dive right in. Yeah, it's true. So what are some of the challenges that you have faced in implementing this kind of learning for your teachers? Not everybody likes it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Everybody's not going to like it. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn how to be okay with that. You have to learn how to... I think sometimes we get really caught up in that one or two that are really vocal about not wanting to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And our focus can't be on that. Our focus has to be on what are we getting out of this and what are we growing? So I I think you just have to rip that bandaid off sometimes of it's okay. Not, not everyone is going to be in love with this. That's Mm -hmm. okay. Most will. Um, I think the other challenge can be scheduling. Yes. It is tricky to get because I, you know, I have a lot of teachers that second period might be my planning period, Mm -hmm. but the lessons being delivered during second period may not be exactly what I want. So I have to make myself very available um, and get really creative with covering. I I say to all of them, it's very important to me that you see something this week you find valuable. Please let me know. I will move heaven and earth to make sure that we find you coverage for the lesson you want to see. So as a leadership team, a coach can't do that all on their own. Mm -hmm. I have a phenomenal administrative team who is really supportive of that. Um, And that's a conversation you have to start with um, is we just like, if we're going to do it, we're all in. Um, And I think it's important that they see another challenge I see in school sometimes is when we give teachers something like this. And then we just, as we either don't monitor it and mostly we don't join it, join Mm -hmm. it. If you are the coach, if you are the leader in that building, please go sit in a classroom with the same form that your teachers are using Mm -hmm. for the same purpose. I think it's really important for people to see us that we are learners sitting alongside them. I tell my people all the time, I am not the expert in everything. I have some great knowledge and some great tricks up my sleeve but I am not the expert. I am learning right along with you. So I think, I think that mindset is that in the scheduling to me is, is part of the toughest. Yeah, I agree. Scheduling is definitely a challenge. Um, it, it, especially now, I think, <laughs> especially now. Really and, now. Yeah. And I'll be honest, like when my principal and I talked about this, I was like rubbing my head a little bit, like, all right, like on a normal day, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to find coverage for, you know, the teachers who are out and we have so many moving pieces right now that we just didn't face before. Um, So I love like your idea of like, you know, we're going to do it in one afternoon, maybe after school, maybe it's 30 minutes, maybe it's, Mm -hmm. I think you have to get creative and figure out what's going to work for you schedule wise. Mm -hmm. Yes. One thing that was helpful to us is like you said, we had the whole leadership team on board. And so I'd say, Hey, librarian, Miss So and So is going to go see Mr. So and So at this time. Your kid, her kids have to go see you anyway this week. Can they go at that time? And they were super supportive. Oh yeah, I'll take them that day. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll just I'll flip them with whoever. Um, that was really helpful. 
and, you know, technology coordinator as well can, you know, can, if you have to do a lesson on cyber safety, could you do it at this time with this group of kids? And then, you know, because once we kind of established and got the ball rolling, we'd done instructional rounds, we'd done like whole group experiences like this. After that, whenever people would request to see somebody, it was like one person at a random time. So it was a lot easier to provide coverage. And so sometimes if we couldn't provide coverage, that teacher, the, the teacher that was going to have the guests in their classroom, like the host teacher, they were really charitable and would like rearrange their day. Sure, I'll teach math at nine o'clock, that's fine. And oh, yeah. Was, yeah, it was really nice. I know you and don't have you that have flexibility that. in middle school is a little trickier, you know. And I was going to say secondary, elementary, mm -hmm. I can see that working a lot better. Yeah. Secondary can be tricky. Mm -hmm. Although I do find my teachers are willing, you know, when someone says, can figure them, it out. Hey, yeah. I really didn't get to see what you did. And I really wanted to come see that strategy. Um, they'll say, oh, well, next week, I know it's not on the pineapple chart, but mm -hmm. hey, next week, I'm going to be using that strategy again. Let's work it out. Yes. So I do find it opens the door for that. And secondary is a, a little harder, um, yeah. but we still can make it work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think if people buy into it, they'll find a way to make it work. You know, if they really think they're going to benefit from it and that's what everything is, do they believe it's going to give them something? Like, do they believe they're going to walk away? Cause if I, if I don't think I'm going to get anything out of visiting classrooms, I'm not going to make the effort to do it. And if I don't think I have anything worth offering, I'm not going to make the effort to move my day around so I can support somebody else, you know? That, yeah. That's, that's a really great point. And, you know, again, like I hope that with time again, Gosh, time is so precious right now. You know, our teachers are really are in one of the craziest and toughest times that I've ever seen personally. And so I, I do try to craft everything that I do through the lens of what value are they going to get out of this? Mm -hmm. You know, I want you to feel valued. Um, so one of the other challenges sometimes I face, right, is we have it just structured for this week. So I... One of my biggest challenges is I've, I've tried to get into as many as possible and cover for as many as possible, but I also have, you know, my whole calendar to deal with too sometimes, but so gosh, when they give a lesson or they design a lesson and nobody comes to observe, yeah, it's typically crazy. scheduling. So I just think having that chat up front, you know, letting people know, Hey, you know, it's, it might happen, you know, it's okay. Yeah. I wonder so, when people would be up for, Hey, can I, can I have can you record yourself? Because people want to see this, but they cannot come in that day. Um, so maybe they could record, you know, if getting the kids in, on camera is an issue, maybe they could just record themselves, like the, whatever part of the room they're more likely to be in. Um, I love that idea. Yeah. It's not the same as being there for sure, but it's something. <laughs> it is something. And I also, I also say, I tell people it doesn't have to be a whole class period. Yeah. Right. 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 On both ends, your strategy. So that's one of the ways we alleviate the stress of the teacher who doesn't want to deliver a 45 minute lesson with people watching her. Mm -hmm. Which part of your lesson do you feel most comfortable with? Which part do you feel like yeah. really would offer someone? So for some of my teachers, that is just how they start their class yeah. might be routine or procedure or how we talk about the success criteria for that lesson. For some, it might be when the kids are working in a project. Mm -hmm. And they really want people to come see that. So, you know, I would challenge people just to think about it doesn't have to be a whole lesson. Mm -hmm. It can be a piece of a lesson, a part of a lesson. That's a great way to build it and give flexibility. I have one teacher today, I think during her 45 minute block that I covered, I think she went to three different classrooms. Okay. Yeah. And was able to pick up different pieces. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, that's perfect. 
um, before you mentioned instructional rounds and having a different focus for, for these rounds. And so they usually have like, this is our purpose. This is what we're going to go in and look for. And then we're going to debrief in response to that focus. So you mentioned a few things, but what kinds of things have you focused your rounds on that have been really, you know, really impactful? Yeah. So I think environment is a, is a big one. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I think that, you know, it depends on your model of instruction. Like currently I'm in a visible learning district, you know, I've previously worked in a lot of um, Marzano schools. So that was a high focus schools who maybe you're, you know, you have a writing writer's workshop, maybe you're doing, you know, full on writers or readers workshop. So I think it depends on that model. I've also, one of the things, you know, small group, I look for the things, what are the things we're really struggling with and our problems of practice in our building? And how can we support that? Mm So, you know, my writing program, my reading program, you know, science lab, behavior management is a great one to yeah, just focus on behavior management. Um, we are all spending a lot of time dealing with how to better manage behavior at this mm-hmm. time in education. Um, student engagement. Sometimes we just walk and look for and have, have people rate how engaged students are. Yeah. Um, you know, questioning techniques. Higher order questioning is a great one to focus on and just look at the types of questions. I find when you, sometimes when you throw a teacher in, right, and just say, what did you like or what did you notice? Some, a lot of times they'll pick up things, but might not always be those nuggets that you really wanted them to take away from it if nobody's with them. So when I say to teachers, right, let's just focus on the questioning strategies or one of the, you know, and let's see how these teachers do questions. When we get that laser focus, really gives us something to hone in on and really reflect on as a teacher. I totally agree because um, I've had many experiences as a teacher, I can remember, or I would model a lesson and the people watching would say something like, oh, I really like that book you used. <laughs> like, okay, but I mean, the book, I did, I did carefully select it, but the idea is that you would be able to do this with other books. Right. It's the strategy. Well, my favorite is I was, my classroom was a Marzano demo. We were a demonstration site. So I Mm -hmm. actually, I had a model classroom. And so uh, people would come from in that were training to learn how to evaluate for Marzano and from other schools would come and walk through several of the classrooms on my campus. Mm -hmm. And the year that I implemented flexible seating and had tables and bouncy balls and that's all they could talk about. Yeah in the debrief. And I was like, guys, but what about the Marzano strategies? And they're right. like, no, but those like, that was great. And I was like, wait. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about how I got kids to do that, how we, you know, what we did to prepare, but if the purpose is there, yeah, what, like, like, what are you, yeah. What are you here? Yeah. For? So, and I think it just, you know, you have to take leadership styles into consideration to this too, because I do think you have to have as a coach, what's my leadership style? How am I going to use it? Because if I just have people visit classrooms and we don't really do anything with it, we're going to get some benefit. But for me, like I have a huge benefit now to go back and look through all of their feedback and see if I can find pockets of how do I better support you and laser my focus in for my people. Cause my goal is always just to grow all of my teachers, um, in the area they feel like, right that they need to grow in and want to grow in. Mm-hmm. So I think you really have to think about your own leadership style. So if I'm selecting this, what's going to work for my teachers? 
what's going to work for us as leaders. Yeah, that's true. You know, that, that in, in keeping with that, um, one year, a big focus for our school was alignment. And not that everybody had to do the exact same thing in the exact same way, but we were seeing big gaps in the way that kids were experiencing the standards in different classrooms. And so the standards had changed, you know, the year prior, it was like my first year on the campus and it was clear that people hadn't really made the shift right <laughs> to the new ones. Um, and so we were talking about, well, what do we do? Some people are doing this, some people are doing that. Everybody's all over the place. They had asked teachers to start implementing learning targets and, you know, as well as making learning visible in the classroom environment. Uh -huh. And so we were like, okay, how can we do this? And so that's actually how we use the ghost walkthroughs was to initiate those conversations about alignment. And so we had teachers record and we, we did have them record very specifically, not because it all had to be exactly the same, but because we wanted them to see the, the big disparity. So we they would record the learning targets that they saw posted. They would record you know evidence of student work, um, anchor charts, things like that. And they would like write down verbatim what they, they would literally copy you know, the learning target, for example. And then we'd go back and talk about it and they could see, well, this teacher is having kids compare the attributes of 2D shapes. This teacher says that they're going to identify 2D shapes. Like they're, so everybody was all over the board. And um, we talked about how, you know, that's, if, if you're going to move on, so you started identifying and you're moving on to, you know, comparing attributes, okay. But, you know, how is this benefiting our kids if we're not doing that? We've got real issues here. And it was really eye-opening for teachers. And then of course, some of them took it the wrong way and started thinking, well, I, we have to have exactly the same anchor charts. We want to copy them and put them on the wall. And like, that wasn't the point. No, no, no. You know, <laughs> the point is, that is not the point. The idea is if we are not teaching things to the same level and to the same standard and using similar materials, then our kids are not getting that same experience. Yeah. And I, you know, as teachers, we are such protectors of our craft. Yes. We, we really, and that's, you know, our, our classrooms are our home away from home. Mm -hmm. And these kids are the kids away from our kids, right? And, and we, we really do hold a lot of ownership to that. But what I always try to remind people is it's not about what you're doing and you're doing and you're doing. It's about what, what is the intent of this standard. Mm -hmm. And we're talking, this is an equity access issue. Yes. When I have one classroom full of kids who are only getting to identify shapes, right? And I have another classroom that is classifying them and comparing them and writing about them. That is an equity and access issue. And it there's a lot of that, I feel like. And, you know, sometimes it also builds a layer of trust because when I'm a third grade teacher, sometimes I feel like my kids come in and, you know, kids love them. God love them. But they always act like they don't know what you're talking about. When the first thing comes out of your mouth or you talk about the target, they act like they've never heard of that concept before. We know that's not true. Mm -hmm. But as teachers, when our kids respond that way, we want to go back and fill in all these gaps. And we want to take that standard back down to the very bare bones and, and get back to the, you know, and try to teach, teach, teach. And what I find is that we lose a lot of valuable instruction time. Mm -hmm. So when we have teachers visiting other classrooms and other grade levels to see, oh, wow, my kids have to be able to do that in fourth grade. Mm -hmm. But wait, this is what we're teaching them to do in first and second grade. Well, I don't have to teach that again. They should know that. Um, so it builds a little trust in that vertical alignment and a little more of that, you know, a lot, hopefully, right, we get to that alignment conversation. 
Yeah, that's very true. Um, that's a good point. Cause I was talking about like horizontal alignment, but vertical alignment is often, it's something that people tend to not get to. Like you're saying it's, it can take, there's so much essential stuff going on all the time that sometimes we're not asking the questions about how is this changing over time, you know, mm -hmm. and, and what does your piece of the puzzle need to look like in order for kids to get where they need to get. And so that's a really good way to support vertical alignment is by having teachers see different grade levels. It's a really good start. We did actually move into, we had like third grade, see second grade, third grade, see um, fourth grade later in the year. We started out with, with that, that specific example. We started out with, you know, just grade level teams. And then we had them see, you know, the grade above and the grade below. And that was really helpful for having conversations about, wow, like you said, we're doing the same exact thing twice. And why are we doing that? Yeah. Why are we doing that? Is it, is it that it was really truly wasn't taught well, like th that the kids did not master it? Or is it because, you know, they're losing something like we need to spiral more like what is happening here, you know, and that gave us a lot of like fodder for conversation. Um, yeah, I, I should say it's that jumping point for conversation, I think that's most powerful. And I will say, if I were just starting with these type of any type of peer observations, mm -hmm. I'm not sure I would mandate. I need all of my third grade teachers to go watch second grade because you're not right. doing it right. Right. I'm you not sure. I don't think that's no. the message. What I try to do as a coach is very gently like suggest, right? I, I've, as a leader or coach, I kind of have those things in mind, right? And these are some desired outcomes I would love to happen. So then it's planting the seed. Mm -hmm. Hey, Mrs. So-and-so does an awesome job with this. Like, I'd love for you to go see her if you get the chance, right? Just planting those seeds and hoping um, that we're fostering some of that until we can get to the point of a more structured Right. Um, yeah. I wouldn't start out that way either <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I was like, um, but over time, whenever we were talking about what does it look like, we were, we, they were new standards. And I think that was what was really helpful is it was something new to everybody. So everybody was like, okay, I'm trying to understand what yes. this looks like. And yes. then they could say, okay, what does it look like in this grade? What does it look like in that grade? How do we increase the depth and complexity every grade level? So mm -hmm. that was really helpful. And then they talked about things like let's align our academic language and you know what resources we're using and that all sorts of good things came out of that that initial experience yeah and you know even little things like you know are we all using like you said language i think language is so important but mm -hmm. graphic organizers mm -hmm. i mean do we have any idea how many graphic organizers our kids come in contact come yeah. in contact with across their educational career it's it's ridiculous quite honestly, because we as teachers find our favorite and that's what we use. Mm -hmm. We all kind of have some go-tos is what I find. So when we can get to a point for writing or for a certain, right, the whole point of graphic organizers is to help kids, like we teach them several different ones that gives them a way to organize their thinking um, and not our thinking, but their thinking. So then I've seen some really powerful ways that this has helped teams to really go, oh, like we should all be using Let's talk about which one works the best for our kids and let's, let's get consistent with it. Mm -hmm. Yes. I've seen that too, especially in writing mm -hmm. for sure. So in thinking about moving the learning from these experiences into practice, what do you do to facilitate that? Uh, a lot of conversations, you know, those that I already have a, an established coaching relationship with or a, um, a coaching cycle that I'm currently in with them, I always pull these into, right, pull into that conversation. I try to just, I try to be as visible as possible in the school and walk around, hey, what are you seeing? So it's a lot of conversation. As a coach, I also, you know, I try to put those reflective things in, the, in my newsletter, 
and and toss some of those things out to hey what did you know what are we seeing and I'll make put out a survey is there something you saw out of these techniques that you saw what would you really like some additional professional development on or some resources for I think it's really important because we go see teachers you know or we see a strategy and there are almost always resources attached to that mm -hmm. so for as a coach I try to whole keep a place for the conversation and the to happen and then how do i remove the barriers so if it's that you don't have whiteboards to do that let's figure out how to get those if it's that you don't know how to really fully implement that strategy you saw mm -hmm. let me work you through that i'll either you know if there's several of you let's do a pd mm -hmm. if there's you know if it's just one person let me get you some resources and and let's get trained in that um because I do see often a lot of teachers see things they want to implement, they don't really know what their next step is. So I think as a coach, that's where we come, we come into play then is, okay, how do I get you to the next step? Some of them are easy. Some of them, we need additional support. Yeah, that's a good idea. I could see um, looking at maybe a week or two after you do your pineapple week, asking teachers, okay, think back to what you saw. Have you implemented something from this? And if not, what's kept you from doing that? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, even just having like a thing, write it down, you know, what's kept you from doing it? Oh, just materials. Oh, time to figure it out. Oh, you know, I need to, I still am not sure how to do whatever part of it. Um, but that might be a good way to kind of go back to it and be like, okay, remember we, we, the, the intention was that we got something out of this learning. Right. So then yeah. if we haven't, what are we going to do? <laughs> and again, it, you know, it holds that line too of holding that accountability piece mm -hmm. of what I expect in my, what I expect, right, is learning. Mm -hmm. We are learning, we are growing our collective efficacy together as learners. And so it can't be one thing you do for a week and you set on a shelf and you never have that conversation or we don't follow up. I think that is a dangerous practice. Mm -hmm. I think that there has to be some kind of follow up because what we hold in importance as leaders in our school, our teachers will hold in importance. Mm -hmm. That's true. So what have you seen um, as a result of using these pineapple PD models at your schools? Oh, gosh. Um, a lot of strategies, like I said, my teachers have already come to me with, I can't wait to use this. I'm going to implement this. So I see a lot of teachers who maybe think they're, that they can't get their kids to do that or they can't do this strategy. And then they walk away with that confidence of, oh, hey, yeah, I can do that. Sometimes we just need to see it in action. Mm -hmm. The confidence in my new teachers this week just absolutely warms my heart. I have a huge passion right now for how do we attract our teachers? How do we keep our new teachers in this whole sea that they're, they, so many of them feel like they're drowning. Yeah. So I love the confidence that delivering a lesson has given them. That has been really, um, just been really powerful. And I just see so many conversations, like I said, between my, you know, my SPED teacher and my band teacher or my social studies teacher and the ELA teacher. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen teachers talking about, oh, hey, that's what you're doing. So one of my teachers developed a new, it's like I have who has, she teaches ELA, but through conversation, she is now pulling in to her review when she's doing vocabulary, she pulls in two or three words from social studies. Mm -hmm. the unit they're currently in. So they are doing a lot more of that cross-curricular and, and cross-team, I feel like, work together and conversations. That is so important. 
um, because, you know, I record, at the very beginning of this episode, I recorded a very brief introduction about how um, what many people tend to think is that they're going to do is go into the room, shut the doors and teach how they want. Right. And that doesn't always benefit kids. It doesn't benefit kids. We don't, if we're just stuck, if we're doing the same thing and we're not benefiting from having, you know, other coworkers that are doing great things, then we're not growing. So that's a really good outcome of that. I love that. Yeah. And I, you know, the other thing I really like is students will always comment to me mm -hmm. when I was doing this as a teacher. Now that I'm doing this as a coach, it is so valuable for our kids to see us as learners. Mm -hmm. When we go into another teacher's classroom and just observe with a clipboard in our hands and our teachers are comfortable enough to say, hey, so-and-so is just going to come watch. They want to see how we do X, Y, Z, right? Or, hey, guys, I'm going to go. Ms. Elshaw is going to cover the class for about 30 minutes because I'm going to go watch how this teacher is. I'm going to watch some different strategies and bring them back to our classroom. Mm -hmm. So being that transparent learner in front of our children mm -hmm. is really powerful. That's a, yeah, modeling. Modeling that we are like ongoing learners. I love that. Yeah. So um, maybe you just mentioned, I don't know, what is your favorite part of this whole process? Oh, I, I mean, I think I just did, right? Just the confidence. <laughs> I love the student piece. I guess if I had to sum it up and wrap a bow on it, what I would say is I love the outcomes for kids. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Well, that's, that's what we're in it for. <laughs> we are modeling for kids, you know, what it means to be a learner. Kids are benefiting from the new strategies and things that their teachers are taking back and implementing. Mm -hmm. um, so at the end of the day, I just feel like we all win. Yes. Beautiful. We're tired, but we win. <laughs> right. I feel like that's the only way to win. <laughs> I, I feel like all days end with tired, but yes. um, it's a good tired. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I think that's true because you can see, you see the, these bonds being built across your campus. And that is amazing. Um, yeah, there's a little, and it, it kind of fits, I guess, with the theme, but there's a little buzz. There's, yeah. there's a hum in the air this week during pineapple week. And I will say too, like, we try to make it really fun, even though it's secondary, I'm pretty cheesy. Mm -hmm. um, so I will wear a pineapple shirt on Friday with oh, some big sunglasses. On Monday morning, we, um, I took the time with some people in my school, we put together cups of yogurt with fresh pineapple on top, um, took it to all of our teachers' classrooms. Welcome to pineapple week. You know, we can't wait to, uh, you know, learn with you this week. Mm -hmm. um, so just, make it a little cheesy. Yeah. My principal used to give everybody special clipboards, um, with like ribbon on the, on the little clippy part and like a nice little pin. Like she was, oh, I love that. Yeah. It was a cute idea. Something different to try. Um, I guess you could do a pineapple themed clipboard, even if you just had stickers <laughs> or somebody with you a could, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cute. And you know, I've seen some really cute ideas where, you know, you decorate the staff room. There's tons of things online that you can get in that Aloha pineapple theme. Oh, yes. Um, so, you know, just put up some cheesy decorations in your staff room and um, have fun with it. Yeah. Even though, and, and that's the thing, sometimes as a teacher, like, oh, so corny, but it is, it is something. Somebody did something to give you a nice experience. <laughs> well, that was a, one of the first things when we brought it up at a leadership meeting about, did we want to, you know, this year of all years, did we really want to do one more thing with a pineapple walk? And several of the teachers said, do we get the pineapple and yogurt? Absolutely. Yep. We will bring we you pineapple and yogurt. Adults, we are just big kids. I, I, we're we just big kids. Are. 
they remember that stuff. It's because, and I was telling a friend of mine um, the other day, she has, she runs a Girl Scout troop and she's collecting donations for giving cookies to schools. Like she'll take an extra box, uh, like a huge crate of cookies to a school in her area if she gets enough donations to cover it. And she said, I know it's really nothing. I said, you know what? Nobody thinks about teachers, <laughs> nobody. So if you do something nice for teachers, they appreciate it. And I mean, they really are so appreciative. I, you know, I'm a firm believer, like I keep chocolate flowing, chocolate flows out of my office, <laughs> How I, but it's just the littlest thing that opens up my door in conversation. And it doesn't have to be much. We just, I see you, mm-hmm. I see you. I see how hard you're working. I see how you're growing. Um, and we appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, if coaches want to implement this, what is the first thing that they should do? The first thing that pops in my brain is have a discussion with your admin. Mm -hmm. Have a discussion as a leadership team. Mm -hmm. Set your purpose. Why do I want to do this? Um, Get your purpose real clear as a leadership team. Um, And, you know, then I think next steps are scheduling it, thinking about your time frame. Mm -hmm. What do we want this to look like? Is it going to be an hour, a day, a week? But, you know, and what do we want to? I I really do. I love the systematic thinking of let's start here. And if our purpose is really to build this culture of welcoming and opening and having this system of peer observation, how do we build it over the next couple of years? How do we build it throughout the year? Um, So I would just say, get real clear on your purpose. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, How can people find you online or in the real world if they want to follow up? Um, They can email me. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I assume you provide that to them. Um, you can put it in the show notes. If you want to say it. Oh, okay. It. Yeah. Yeah. So they can email me. It is lshide73 at gmail.com. They can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. And I will give you those handles. Um, let me look real quick. <laughs> That's awful. I don't know it right off the hand. Um, Insta- I know Instagram. It's at a coaching heart. So it's at a blank coaching blank heart. And I'll give that to you so you can put it in your underscore. Yep. And I'll give that to you so you can put that in your notes. It's a little easier that way. All right. Perfect. My last name can be a little tricky. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing about your experience with this approach. I, you know, I think it's going to benefit a lot of people. Thank you so much. I would love, and honestly, if anyone tries something and you find success or you have a different way you're doing it, I'd love to hear that too. Yes. That'd be awesome. All right. I hope you hear from somebody. Um, I really do appreciate you joining us and I hope you have a great evening. Thank you. So I hope you got some really great ideas and some good tools to use whenever you are trying this out on your campus. Just like Heather mentioned, if you use any of this, I would love to hear from you. You can share this with me online. You can tag me at Buzzing with Miss B on Instagram um, or send me an email. I would love to hear how your Pineapple PD is going, no matter what model you choose to use. There are a couple of other resources about professional development that you might like, and I want to throw those out here today. You can listen to episode 40 six must-use strategies for professional development. 
And episode 71 is all about PD in a box. So that's an alternative, a different way to go about providing PD. It's creating access and engagement around PD. That's episode 71. You can also get some free PD tools if you get my free PD downloads. So go to the show notes for this this episode, which is um, buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 110-110 and scroll down to the bottom of the page and you can grab the PD download there, which includes several different tools for planning and delivering professional development. And you can also grab the entire PD toolkit. That is a toolkit for coaches and admin who provide professional development to their teachers. So if you are visiting my TPT store, that's teacherspayteachers.com. You can check out Chrissy Beltran, Buzzing with Miss B, just search for that. And then you'll see in my instructional coaches resources, you'll see the PD toolkit. That includes everything you need from planning to preparing, for, to delivering, to you know responding to PD and implementing um, all the ideas that they learned. It includes everything you need to do, all of that. So grab that PD toolkit from my TPT store. It's a good one. Next week, I am actually sharing my process for planning professional development. And I'm really excited to share this with you. I don't think I've shared this with anybody in its entirety. So join me for the steps that I follow. I cannot wait to give you all the tips and tools that have helped me plan engaging professional development for teachers. Till then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.